we're going to start our Wisdom Wednesday here in the uh, in place of Brother Andre Marie. Panchetti now. Number seven. <laughs> From Mulberry Street, Louisiana. <laughs> Weighing in at a svelte 194 pounds. Please welcome the financial terror that is the True Money Show host, David Simpson. Brista, how are you? You must be using my old stats. I think I bulked up for this appearance. <laughs> You've been pumping. Davi, me and Franz have been pumping iron. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I, I'm a little bit not, I'm not quite so svelte anymore, I, I think. I'm, I'm working towards it, though. I'm, going, I'm trying to get back to that if I can. I'm, I'm <laughs> hey, David, the, um, <clears throat> there are a couple of things that we can talk about on Wisdom Vinci. Number one, I just played the clip of Mike Wallace interviewing Ayn Rand back in 1959. You probably have seen it oh. sometime in the past, right? I don't recall, uh, but I'm familiar enough with the with the party. So, what, what happened? Okay, so uh, I tell you what, Maggie, can you play just the last one minute or so of Mike Wallace and Ayn Rand? So the svelte 207 pound version. Of <laughs> <laughs> I just saw you the other day, Brista. You look like a svelte 197 pounds. Well, I, I will tell you, I'm past two marks, so I'll just leave it at that, you know, but it's not too far past. You're getting close now. You're right on the mark, I think, pretty now, so. All right. <laughs> All right. This is just the last minute of the, uh, of the clip that I just played a moment ago. Officials, but the powers of those officials, the powers of government are strictly limited. They will have no right to initiate force or compulsion against any citizen except a criminal. Uh, those who have initiated force will be punished by force, and that is the only proper function of government. What we would not permit is the government to initiate force against people who have hurt no one, who have not forced anyone. We would not give the government or the majority or any minority the right to take the life or the property of others. All right, so she also said she gave the usual libertarian claptrap argument that all that must be done is for the government to enforce the private property rights of others. If I do no harm to another man, then you cannot, there is nothing the government can do, and we enforce the private property right. This is, I was telling the audience, this is theory in theory only. It's never been tried. It never will be because it won't work. And it won't yeah, work because yeah, you don't have the higher authority. There's, well, private property cannot set moral laws. Well, well, it hasn't existed, I think, as you're saying, but the other side of that is the, the presupposition, you know, someone who has not hurt anyone, how, how is that conclusion drawn? And one, who's making the conclusion, but truly, how is that conclusion drawn? And what I mean by that is, if I'm standing privately, Mike, I'm hurting someone. I'm hurting actually the one, the one personality that most does not deserve to be hurt, uh, but that doesn't get enforced, right? Mm. Um, but then we have, we know we have a lot more, uh, I mean, we have open public sins, uh, whether it be pornography and abortion, and, you know, or, you know, you can go on. Well, hell, we have the public officials who are lying sacks, and we all know it because <laughs> everyone's coming out of the woodwork to tell us how much they've lied here and there. And none of this hurts anyone. Well, of course, it hurts God, but it hurts your fellow man. It, it diminishes trust amongst individuals. Uh, yeah, that's, you know, it sounds nice. It, it does. It really sounds like, hey, government, don't do anything. Just beat up somebody who hurt someone else. <laughs> but, um, <laughs> but there's a lot of hurt going on that doesn't actually physically hurt someone. But we, if we, And if we don't arrest it, if we don't stop it, it's destructive to society. So a hurt, a sin would be a hurt, but it may not be illegal. Yeah, sodomy is not illegal any longer. It's just, it's just, it's just, it's just uh, uh, but it's a sin. It causes grave well, damage. Know, so, so when government overreaches, and it overreaches a lot now, but when a government overreaches, the natural tendency is for everyone to say, "Hey, let's put government back in some kind of bottle where it can't, it can't hardly reach anybody." And and I get that. And even Thomas Aquinas would tell you that not all sins are punishable. So I don't want to come across as sound like I want some theocracy and that all sins. This will be punished. He says, look, if some things are just unregulatable, and therefore you can't try to punish them all, you'd actually be better off, you know, kind of 
putting this that type of sin, like right. thinking mostly here in the sexual sins arena, just let him go to a quarter of the city, you know, or some little corner of the city, and then you know it, they're only harming themselves, and hopefully they'll go to confession and get it all fixed. There's just something you can't regulate, and, and Aquinas wouldn't even try. But but to say, okay, the answer for overreaching government is to have virtually an impotent government is really ridiculous, especially as, re, as it regards those things that God expects us to do for the common good to create a society in which you can live peaceably and attain your salvation. We are so far from living in a peaceable society that it'd be, it's hard for me to believe anybody would not want, at this point, and I don't want to say government per se, we would not want the proper regulatory authority to actually do something about what's going wrong in our country. I mean, <laughs> every day I scream for better leaders. I mean, please, Lord, give us some better leaders. I think we should, that's one of the things that we should always be praying for. Yes, yeah. Lord, you know, every morning on my, when I say my rosary, every morning on my first intention with the, the with my Crusader night uh, intentions is to bring about the end of the legal protections for abortion, contraception, pornography, and sodomy and for the restoration of laws against usury. By extension, I'm asking for better leaders, aren't I? Absolutely, and that's exactly, you're exactly correct. I mean, we want, um, gosh, I've been rereading, uh, I recommend to everybody, matter of fact, this would be a good plug for Brother Andre while he's not on today, uh, Challenge of the Faith, you know, Brother Brother Francis's you know, just short little snippet admonitions on various topics. Um, but the one yesterday, the day before, I can't remember what even the topic was, he was doing these little short little snippets of, you know, of wisdom, uh, was basically the same thing, in that uh, your leadership should be, um, God, you know, God-given authority. They should consider it that way. That they should act in a way that's commensurate with what God would expect of them in their private lives to be done in the public life. And all of it just, you know, was just ringing a, a bell in my chest. Like, yes, yes, yes. You know, why don't we have a godly leader? And uh, so, absolutely, you pray for that. And absolutely, if we got it, if we had it, uh, Lord help us if we were to oppose him because we thought, who are you to impose your views upon? He's not imposing his views. He's trying to create a society by which we can all love one another and actually get along and, like I said, ultimately attain our salvation. Wouldn't that be a nice thing? Yeah, you know, you know, they always try to they they always try to remove love. That well, God loves you yeah. and wants you to be happy. No, He doesn't. He's a mean and vengeful. If He was mean and vengeful, dude, you'd be dead. <laughs> if He was mean yeah. and vengeful and wasn't merciful, you we'd all be dead. It'd be over. Uh, but yep. they always try to remove the love part, and, uh, and like your church is just so mean and cruel and heartless. And uh, I, I'm going to get off on a tangent. We're, we're not going to do Wisdom Wednesdays though, because I have stuff that you can actually answer the question for. So let let us proceed. David Schweikert is a congressman from Arizona. He gave an 18 minute long speech two days ago in the House of Representatives, where he told the truth. He told he, apparently he's been reading Lawrence Kotlikoff. And he said, okay. told the total truth about the $210 trillion unfunded liability bomb that's coming. He got his years wrong. He said 60 years. It's not going to be 60 years. And, and the CBO was never right. So he was quoting the CBO and somebody. He was also quoting Kotlikoff. And he was saying that in three years, if under current tax revenues and at current uh, interest rates, or the interest rate continues on the, on the, on the trend that it is, Half of all federal expenditures will be to repay debt. So, uh, and then I played some more of his, uh, that uh, Social Security and Medicare, and I didn't know this, Medicare is 75% of the deficit fall. Social Security is only 25% of the unfunded liabilities. So Yeah, so, that's going to get a lot worse, yeah. So he, he was saying, like, the money is not there. We can't get it. You can't tax it out of people. We, we have to deal with this, and if we don't deal with this, uh, the, 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 then you're going to you're the, the standard of living, he, he was saying, you know, the level of subsistence that Belloc reported, for the old people is going to go down. It's going to be cut in half. It's just going to be cut in half. So I did a little monologue of this, and I talked about this with the audience. I said, look, this is what I know about it. And since I have David coming on later, let me tell you, uh, here, here's how we're going to discuss this. I said, what most people don't know about how the Federal Reserve works and how the Treasury gets away with borrowing trillions of dollars is that Congress says, hey, uh, here's our uh, budget authorization bill. Uh, fork over. Uh, uh, hey, Treasury, fork it over. We need $5 trillion. 
Treasury goes, we only have three. Congress, well then borrow the rest. Treasury, you give me authority to do that, Congress? Sure are, now get busy. We Look, we have bribes to pay. Uh, Treasury, okay, I know a guy. Treasury goes to the Federal Reserve now. He's been monetized into debt because the Chinese and foreign countries aren't paying it anymore. They aren't buying it because they're broke. And uh, the Fed says, okay, we'll buy it, and they monetize it. Now, what most people don't know is that in the form of bonds, T-bills, 20-year, 30-year T-bills, and other uh, bonds, that is how the Federal Reserve monetizes it, sells it. And when I was telling the audience, and I'm going to get a confirmation on this from David because he knows a lot about it, more about it than I do. I said, but my understanding and my read of this is your railroad pension fund, the state of Louisiana pension trust fund, Florida's pension trust fund, the pension trust fund for AT&T, name it, you're fired, you're, uh, you're uh, fraternal order of police. They all are managing their risk in their pensions by buying the lowest risk with a little bit of return they could get their hands on, and that is U.S. government grade A black Angus certified double A rated debt. Am I right? Well, they do. I mean, do they? Are you asking? Do they buy some of that stuff? Yes. The answer is yes. Is are they exclusively buying it? No. I mean, there's been no. It's not exclusive, but they are investing in in the debt, right? Oh, sure. Oh, listen, Mike, you're definitely hitting on something that, that I have, like, it just gives me the heebie-jeebies every time I go to sleep at night because I have to live in this world, and I realize how much of a ticking time bomb it is. Index investing, the retirement system investing, the 401k idea of, of kind of forcibly extracting money, out forcibly, but, but very highly encouraging people to extract money from their paychecks every year and throw it into this thing, this market, is all an attempt to keep this rig and this game that you're talking about going on. And, and, and the reality is, is that it just cannot persist because for a lot of different reasons, but for velocity of money reasons, for the actual availability of, of liquidity, all these, in other words, can you imagine all the trillion dollars that are being put into the market, let's say on this index investing, 401k, IRA, qualified money, all the pension plans, like, you, like you're discussing, all that money is going to be withdrawn I mean, they're not putting it in there forever because they just wanted to live inside of an investment account. They're going to say, let me spend it. Well, if, it, if the money does not exist and it doesn't in, in large measure, then how can you spend non-existent things? And so I sit in this world going, this is just going to blow up uh, because it can't, or it's actually, I should really say implode. That's what the, what the actual action is going to be. It's going to all implode. And um, and the Congress will be screaming about it, directly screaming about it. But here's, you know, there was a lot of you had a lot of things in that. Here's a lot of a lot of a lot of points you made that I kind of was marking my mind, like what I kind of wanted to say. One of them was when the Congress makes a budget, quote unquote budget. It's not a budget. No. When you and I make a budget, we say, okay, what's the limited amount of money we have now? How do we get the things done that we want to with that limited amount of money? They actually say, how much money do we need to spend on all the things we want, <laughs> and let's get it. Well, that's not a budget. That's just a it's a dream, right? It's so. Yes, they do that wrong, and we've got to get them back to budgeting. In other words, having their means via taxation and only spending that on whatever they can spend it on if they want to. The other thing that's going on, when you talk about monetizing the debt, you know, it's, it, I, I know you know this, but it's not monetizing. They're not actually making money. They're creating it. Out of, and a lot of people say printing. A lot of people say creating out of thin air. And, lot, and some people object to those terms. They don't really print. They don't really create out of thin air. There's, there's a process. Yes, but the process is the name. It's, it's, it's not actually, you're not seeing an increase of goods and services that actually generate revenue. You're just creating money that looks like it's been created by revenue, which then devalues all the other ones. This is the classic definition of inflation, right? Right. And so, and so yeah, there's a million things wrong with this, but no, I think you're, you're on the mark. The, getting back to retirement systems, when they are buying these bonds, and they, and I can promise you, they are telling their, whoever their system is that they're representing, this is the highest rated, most conservative. It cannot lose. It's going to win you. We, we're we're in a sound investment because we got the backing of the U.S. government. I'm like, yeah, go blow smoke up somebody else's rear end <laughs> because there's there's nothing sound about the American government's eco economical system. Nothing at all. 
Okay, so uh, uh, David Simpson filling in for Brother Andre Marie here on a Wisdom Wednesday on a Mike Church Show on a Crusade Channel Live Talk Radio the way it should be. All right, uh, okay. Uh, so you heard my segment? You heard me talking about this? I did not. Okay, I, uh, good, good. That's even better. Okay, fresh ears. All right. So I say I'm going to give you. I'm going to give you the listening audience and the viewing audience on Crusade Channel TV. You can upgrade today now that Maggie is playing the video that accompanies almost all of our sound bites and popping all the 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 pages from the actual stories that we're reading into the video. It's real, like we're getting really good. People are going, "Well, this is really cool." Yeah, we can do that, and we are doing it. Upgrade today to to TV plus Crusade Channel at crusadechannel.com forward slash upgrade. So I gave them two scenarios that could happen. And I said one of them is never discussed. Now, David Schweikert of Arizona gave that speech 18 minutes long two days ago where he warned about all this. And he implied, he didn't state and he didn't name, but he implied that there are members of the, uh, of the Congress in the United States Senate and in the Democrat leadership that are talking about pulling the plug, or the federal plug, on Social Security and Medicare and just passing an act to, quote, send it back to the states, close quote. <laughs> and Schweiker goes, that's not going to work because all you, you haven't ended the liability. You just transferred who has to pay it. He goes, the states do, certainly do not have the, uh, the money. And, and uh, so this is going to be a bit, bit of a lengthy lead-up to uh, a question, David, so bear with me. So 10 days or so, or so ago, I did a show on secede, secede, secede. And I went, okay, if you're going to secede, here's what you're going to have to do, and this is a political question that you must answer, and you have to answer it before you do it. What are you going to do? But let's just use the state of Louisiana. Four and a half million citizens, about 500, 600,000 of them. Uh, are dependent on Social Security, uh, probably about an upwards of a million or so, or or, or either Medicaid or Medicare, maybe more. Uh, what mm -hmm. do you? What are you going to do when no revenue, no checks are coming from Mordor, and yet there is Aunt Petunia and Uncle Bobo in need of medicines, in need of hospitalization and hospice, in need of their Social Security check, or they can't pay. Imagine this, they still have a house note where they can't pay their gas or their electric bill. You have to figure out a way. You, what, are you go, what do you propose to do about that? So this focuses the question here. And this is what Schweikert is, was trying to drive home, and he didn't get to the uh, uh, cataclysm part of it, but I will. So there's two ways that, you can, that Congress can get out of this from where I sit. Maybe there's a third or a fourth, but these are the easiest two. One. Complete and total insolvency, that means all that debt that David and I just talked about, it doesn't get paid back. All the contracts are broken. Congress just declares bankruptcy. Sorry, oh, you're a, you're a Morgan Stanley and you have $65 billion in pension funds and most of it was in, you know, a, a half of it, two-thirds of it or whatever, was in T-bills and government debt. You're not getting it. It's not coming. So this... This this is a complete and total insolvency. Basically, you hit the reset button, you go back to scratch, and at that point in time, what do you need the federal government for? Uh, you probably would. So see, so see, so see. That's one way out of it, the complete and total reset. And then you have to care for the old people, and you got to figure out a way to do that. Number two, second way out of it. This could potentially preserve some semblance of the union. To me, this is the practical way out of it, but it still is going to cause a lot of pain. But it's doable. And I don't know if you know my, uh, my, 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 my old friend, Louis Lehrman. Louis Lehrman, after Nixon took us off the gold standard in 1972, spent the rest of his life. When I met him in 2009, the last time I saw him was in 2014. He was still. And I get this from Louis. You end Congress repeal. Now, again, these are not things that I say are going to happen and that Congress is going to make them happen. I'm saying that these are their alternatives. Now, I don't believe they're going to act on any of this. You're just going to let it blow up because they're cowards, and that's what cowards do. Option two, the Lewis Lehrman option. Repeal the Federal Reserve Act of 1913. Take, set a date certain, say, we're going back to gold-based money. There's going to be a lot of pain. It has to be done. Declare that on this date, we're going to declare in the commodities market that an ounce of gold... It's going to revert. It's going to be. It's going to be worth a hundred dollars. Just, just round it off, 
And the way Lehrman explains it, this gives a, a, a certain amount of time to prepare ultimately for the return to the gold standard. And that uh, the, the thing is, well, my, my bars are worth 2000 Yeah, but we're going to undo the inflation that has been done and we're going to get it we're going to get it back to what it's actually worth what we what it should be worth i don't know how you arrive at that so that's why we round it up um but in this way now the debt is gone the debt is still gone the people that need the 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 services medicare social security etc are still there but now we have, you're going to end a major part of the usury system. And after a period of pain and capital accumulation, there's going to, there, there will be a robust and flourishing economy uh, of producers like we once had. Now, again, this is a pipe dream. I don't believe that it's going to happen. But those are, two, to me, those are very real, actionable scenarios. What say you? Well, I'll give you a third way, only because Franklin Sanders mentioned it on my show one time. But before I do it, I'll just say that Lewis's, your friend Lewis's idea of repealing the Federal Reserve, I think, does cut to the heart of the matter. And the reason I say that is because when, earlier when you were describing that process, emailing back and forth between the Treasury and the Congress about wanting money and stuff. Right. That, the Congress is not supposed to do that, obviously. They're, they are the ones and the only ones who are allowed to coin money according to the Constitution, correct? Right. And so... And so they have given up their their right over money in the United States, and therefore we've lost all control over it. So repealing the Federal Reserve Act, getting this bank cartel out of the money process in the United States and out of control of our actual currency would be a great step forward to any kind of freedom. There's no doubt about it. Um, I don't know, by the way, that you have to do some type of reset of gold being worth a certain amount. I think you could actually say, Okay, no, we'll leave, we'll leave our currency in its current status. Okay, uh, two thousand dollars to buy to buy an ounce of gold. Um, I, I don't know that you have to reset it, but okay. I don't know that it would hurt it either. Um, now, the third way that, it, which I think you you know this too, it's almost a it's almost the default position uh, of your first way. You said insolvency, declared bankruptcy was your first way. Franklin said there was really two ways out, and um, he said one was to declare bankruptcy, as you said. And he said the second way was basically just to continue in this hyperinflationary process they're doing. Meaning they won't do anything because they're too scared, like you said, too cowardly to do anything, and therefore continue this process and then just let it destroy itself, because it always does. <laughs> Inflation always ends in hyperinflation, and, then, and after hyperinflation, you basically get to a point of bankruptcy because no one trusts the money anymore so they don't use it. Um, and he said, you were, he said we're more likely to go that route. Uh, yeah, so is there a third way, the way you mentioned, yes, the, the Congress could literally say, we messed up, we gave our right of control over our currency away to a banking cartel in 1913, it was a huge mistake, it's led to these problems, and, and we're, we're, we're definitely having trouble getting out of it, but we're going to do one thing right now, and that is take back control over it and start trying to figure it out. Um, I don't know, Mike, I mean... You know, my more pessimistic self says this. I read a book <laughs> in 1990. I read a book in the, let's see, early 90s uh, called Bankruptcy 1995. And this was a guy. Yeah, this was a guy who was actually on. I forgot the name of the was it the Reese Commission that studied the solvency issue of America way back in the day. I think it was the Reese Commission. Not, it was the Grace Commission, wasn't it? Okay, it may have been. That's right. It's the Grace and Commission. So, Ronald Reagan convened it, and uh, Graham, uh, Phil Graham and Warren Rudman were on it, among others. Well, this fellow, this fellow was on that committee and on that commission, and they did all this study, and he wrote a book after the fact that said, we are bankrupt in 1995 unless drastic changes happen before then. Now, imagine, <laughs> imagine the warning the guy issued, and 1995 comes and goes, and here we are, you know. All these 28 years, later, years 28 and, years later. And there was nothing done that he recommended, nothing. Um, and so I can't, even imagine, I can't even imagine this insolvency issue that they're facing. So I, I don't even know if, gosh, if any measure could really win back the confidence of the people enough to say, okay, we'll endure this pain. What I think what is more likely to happen is once they see that they've been lied to, cheated, stolen from, jacked around, and you know whatever else, I just I don't know how you how you avoid 
calamity in the streets. I don't know how you don't avoid people shooting one another and and, and hanging their mayor and what I, you know what I'm saying. I, <laughs> What did, they, what did they find out? What, what did they find out? What, what the what the government did in collusion with Pfizer? What are you Correct. talking about? You add that in there, and then people being injured and unable to work. By the way, yeah. David, Harry E. Figgy Jr. with Gerald Swanson bankruptcy, nineteen ninety five, the coming collapse of America, and how to stop it. And yeah. the foreword was written by a guy that I just referenced, United States Senator Warren B. Rudman. Yep. Now, remember, David, back in the early 90s, we were serious about this. The yes, Graham, Graham Rudman Hollings Act actually passed, named for uh, Senator Phil Graham of Texas, uh, Warren Rudman of New Hampshire, and Fritz Hollings of South Carolina. Graham Rudman Hollings actually passed. Gingrich was elected speaker, uh, 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 took the gavel, was elected speaker in 1994. David, we weren't that far off. In 1998, yep. 1999, and 2000, the Congress, the Gingrich Congress, actually balanced the budget. Ron Paul was offering bills to to, to take some of the uh, the uh, the uh, what do they call it? Uh, what's left over? The um, oh, surplus. The surplus. Take some of the surplus and start paying the national credit card down. We actually we were on our way, like Canada was. Ten years ago, right under Stephen Harper, we were on our way to getting out of it, but the neocons were not going to have it. And 9/11 happened, and the military and banking and education and industrial complexes reared their ugly heads, and they've been in charge ever since. This is all on them for, for true, but it's all our fault for letting it happen. Well, so that's why I mean. Because you're right, the political powers that be were on, on our side were much stronger. Their political winds were kind of prevailing that way. There was um, just a lot of energy of talking about finance, which is not an exciting topic in economics. This is not exciting. This is not what people normally want to hear about their government and governance. And but they were, and they were talking about it. And they said, "This is real. This is a problem. This is going to kill us." Uh, and there was a lot of energy going that direction. And that's what I'm saying. If that political fix didn't happen then. The chance of it happening now seemed to me. <laughs> oh God! I mean, I don't. I, I won't even call. I won't even call it a snowball's chance. I, I, it, maybe a snowflake chance in hell is that Man. one? I don't know. Um, so, and that's and that's where we are. And and you know what, Mike? Ultimately, what you just said a minute ago is our fault. It, it is our fault, and I'll say it's the fault of because I know lots of people this way. Um, you mentioned earlier Medicare and Social Security also mentioned some welfareism, but let's throw in government contracts, right? Let's go into all the businessmen who are drinking heavy at the trough of this stuff, right? That's right. Um, no one is willing to say, you know what, I'll, I won't take mine. I won't take mine. I, I'm, I'm going to be self-sacrificial. The government's supposed to be our public servants and sacrificial and so on, but I'm going to show that I'm a good citizen. I'm going to be sacrificial. I'm, just, I'm not going to take it, right? And I don't see anybody willing to do that. They just say, well, at this point in time, I better grab mine before it's all gone. And so there's an enormous greed and selfishness that kind of pervades our society now. And, and, and I'm not calling everyone a selfish, greedy bastard. What I'm saying is... Ah, just most people are selfish, greedy bastards. <laughs> well, we've been bred, it's been bred into us, right? We, we've been given a carrot, a carrot, a carrot. We've been fed at the trough. We've been enticed with the program, we've been offered a new service, on and on and on and on, and we just can't stop taking now. We're like addicts. Well, uh, we're, we're like trained monkeys. You know, I, I, uh, David Simpson is filling in for Brother Andre Marie here on Wisdom Wednesday if you're, uh, if you're wondering what's going on. I went to one of my local little stores yesterday on the run, which is right off Interstate uh, 12. You know where it is. It's uh, Interstate 12 and 1077 exit. And I went in there because they have some really good locally made fried chicken. And I want some fried chicken. <laughs> yeah. I went and got me a bucket. And I was enjoying, uh, I, I, I was standing in line, and the lady was smiling at me that was, was packing my box. And I just took a look around. I should have videoed it. I really should. I just took a look around, and I'm just looking in the store, and there's a guy that's on his knees is stacking, stocking one of the shelves. And I'm going like, this is obscene. Everything around where I was buying my fried chicken was screaming at me, hey, a-hole, look at you need to buy me. You're not consuming enough. Don't you see this stack of stuff that's stacked up right in front of you? 
Right. I mean, this is subtle, very subtle manipulation here. We call it point of purchase display, though, in retail, you see. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> no, it's brainwashing. It's programming. Like when you go, and look, I love Bucky's, the, the truck stop. You go to Bucky's, you can't swing a dead cat by the tail and not hit something to buy. <laughs> you are there to consume. And in, and look, and don't say that, well, human race has always been like, no, it hasn't. No, it hasn't, because the human race never ex- existed in a situation or in a civilization, never existed, where the vast majority of people, something like 95% were consumers and 5% were producers. We need to invert yeah, that yeah. equation. That equation has to be inverted. Uh, I don't know if it happens by bankruptcy. Do the uh, Russians fire a supersonic missile at Mordor and miss it by 200 miles and start a 500-foot-tall tsunami and wipe out the East Coast? <laughs> I don't know. Does God intervene and go, like, okay, I've had it with you. Kuhutek's right, coming back a little early, and, yeah, it's going to hit you. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's – um. No, we, it, there's a, there's definitely, and I was talking to a client just the other day about this, that I, essentially he's a good young man, you know, a good old boy kind of person, and he essentially gives a lot of his value away. His, in other words, in his work, he just does things, and he goes, ah, you know, it'll all come out in the wash. I think we've all said it. Any, any decent human being just said, you know, I don't need to be paid for everything I do. I, I can do things because I just, I know, and I can help someone, and I can do it quickly because I'm, I'm accomplished and so on. And, and I was trying to tell him it, all that is true. And, and, matter of fact, I favor that type of position. I am that kind of person generally myself. And, but, <laughs> but I said, but because the system we live in has monetized everything, so there's that word again. You know, monetize, 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 monetize. monetize everything. When you do that, you are killing yourself and your family, and you cannot get your time back. Like, in other words, it, it were, basically the Marxist capitalist system is set. That if you, when you do something, you have to trade your time for dollars. And then your dollars represent your life, the, the life you've lived in the past, right? And if you gave it away, well, good luck trying to get year 33 back if you're 35 or year 31 back. You know, you're just not getting that year back. And so, therefore, the money's gone forever. And um, I was trying to encourage him, in other words, to say, look, I'm just as charitable. I feel what you're saying, but we, the system we live in, so, uh, so I'm even arguing kind of against myself here. The system we live in encourages us to dog eat dog. I've got to charge you. <laughs> I've got I have to. to. All right, I have to give this, this experience. I have to, this exchange I'm having with you right now has got to be dollar for time, or else I'm behind. The, the, and so we keep we keep doing it to each other. And I I just don't know the way out other than to, for it to finally collapse. Okay, so there's a. Uh, uh, I have one final uh, observation on this, and I'm getting it from comments in the chat room. Now there are members of this audience that are going to be in this. Statement, summary, comment, if you will. I'm not talking about you <laughs> individually. This is a collective thing, but it, 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 it applies. So the World War II generation all the way up until, what, 1960 or so, it's called the boomer generation, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. The boomers are, are retiring. The boomers are the ones that, that Congressman Schweikert was talking about. And the boomers are the ones that are going to consume vast majorities of these resources through Medicare and Social Security, right? Correct. Okay. The greatest generation. The greatest generation, though, is the generation that bought hook, line, and sinker. Now, look, I'm not saying that they are at fault here. We all know from David Wimhoff and others and what we have discovered here, but what the CIA and the other government and Big Business and Henry Lewis and Time Magazine and Big Media and Big Education have been doing, this was a collective brainwashing and programming campaign unlike any that's ever taken place in the history of the human race. The only one that you could say that is even remotely close to it, Uh, and of course it trumps it and triumphs over it, is when Jesus Christ began his public ministry and millions upon millions of people came to believe. And Christianity came about, and then Christendom came about, right? That took 900 years, though. People forget. That took 900 years. 
The criminals here in the United States accomplished it in about 50. Yeah. Took them about 50 years to light the candle of our current demise. But here's the problem, because the greatest generation was sold two kids in a station wagon, no more. Remember, abortion, contraception, all this comes along in the 1960s. It all becomes just the way to do things. They're sold this. They're sold that weekends were made for AMF. I don't know if you remember the commercial. And then weekends were made for Michelob, this thing called Weekends. You know, all this stuff was sold. People used to work on Saturdays. It's just a matter of course. You took Sunday off. Sunday was your day of rest. The weekend, the whole thing was packaged. Retirement was sold to them. People didn't yeah. retire. They died at their desks. <laughs> they died at the plow. They didn't retire. This whole thing was concocted. And I believe it was yep. concocted from, from, from malicious, evil, diabolical purposes to bring about an end to all men and Christianity through the, the demise of all men. They were sold complacency. They were sold comfort. They were sold. Everyone takes six weeks of vacations every year. Now, this is not a diatribe against any of this, okay? And I, I, don't, I don't want anyone to get angry with me. I'm just reviewing what they were sold. Well, David, they bought it. They didn't just buy it. I mean, the planners of this had to have been shocked at how successful this plan was. Then they, not only did they buy it, they taught it to me and you. Yes. And then yes. we taught it to our children. So, the, But today, the greatest generation is not going to take a haircut. Dude, they will kill you if you talk about yes. giving it. You, if you even imply to one of them that they're not entitled to whatever it is. And again, I'm not talking about any one individual. This is just it's a blanket here. So there are many, many people that this does not apply to. Probably you that's listening right now. But unfortunately, you are in the minority. Unfortunately, you're in the minority. Unfortunately, you're in the minority. There, I just claimed it three times. The majority is going to get the upgrade, going to get his Medicare. Upgrade, going to get his Social Security. Upgrade, going to get his timeshare and the keys. Upgrade, going to get whatever it is. But they can't. David, they can't. The money doesn't exist, and their lazy offspring is not going to do, produce it unless there's a no. cataclysm. <clears throat> yeah, I, I, Mike, I, all of what you said is true, and the propaganda campaign, the mind resetting, the, the complete and wholesale abandonment of anything agrarian or even wholesome. You know, I, I, lo you know, I love watching old shows, Green Acres and Andy Griffith and whatever else, you know, and... My kids, they like it, and they laugh. But I tell them, you know, it is a caricature, but the world wasn't that different from Mayberry. It just wasn't. It wasn't. Um, and and yet we thought that wasn't good. Why wasn't it good for Aunt B to be at home taking care of Opie? You know, why wasn't it good for, for Andy to have kind of a, a low-key <laughs> civil service position that he did, didn't pay him much, but he was a you know, good, wise guy walking around town how Bradbury solved their problems. And David, how does every... I want to interrupt you because this is such good stuff here, folks, on the Crusade Channel. How does every episode of May, uh, of the Andy Griffith show start and begin? With the leisure of fishing! Yeah. yeah. You go fishing! <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. It, it, so, I, so I wonder how they were able to convince us to leave that beautiful thing and that goodness behind. And my answer to that question is, is that we actually stopped looking outside and started looking inside. And here I'm talking about that demon of television, right? And whether people want to accept it or not, and I have a hard time accepting Guys, there are two TVs in my house. You know, I, I do have televisions in my house. Um, <laughs> but, but I do think that um, one of the errors we, we made and we continue to make, and unless we stop it, we're, we're not going to help anything at all, is... They can make a ubiquitous view of things if we're all looking at the same thing. That's and if right. we're all looking at television, we're all going to have the same vision, we're all going to have the same view, we're all going to have the same propaganda, we're all going to have the same mind. And so what I'm basically saying, getting back to kind of our earlier discussion about how we fix this thing, we need to stop believing that this is a worldwide problem, a country problem, uh, you, know, it, it, you know, you have to do this on some type of systemic multinational basis. There is no fix for that, okay? But I can promise you that if you just go outside and pick up your eggs from your chicken and you uh, go pick the berries off of your blueberry bush 
and you bring in some satsumas from your trees outside. But if you start doing that yourself, um, you're going to say, you know what? Um, there's quite a bit of bounty right outside my back door. Why am I worried about the national debt crisis? Um, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because we are still quite rich, if you think about it. But we, we are. But, but, we're, but we're not allowed to think about it. We're, we're, we're be, we have to be told all the time, uh, you need this from the government. If you don't have it, you're going to go down in history as the biggest buffoon in all time. So get on the program. Get on the program. Get on the program. I, I think if we stopped listening, stopped watching that which they want us to watch, now I'm excluding here only the Crusade Channel, uh, but uh, if, they, if we stop listening to what they want us to listen to and stop watching what they want us to watch and just go outside and literally see what God has given us, we're going to feel quite rich and quite capable of providing for ourselves and stop worrying about these stupid programs that are going to go down in flames. They just are. That's why it's called Wisdom Wednesday. Uh, David, a couple of uh, uh, little minor points, and I'll let you get back to your uh, your, your busy fleecing of, uh, of all your clients. Um, <laughs> your mandatory. I'm, I'm messing with him, folks. I'm, I'm completely and totally messing with him. Uh, some people are making the point, well, just give me the money back into uh, I paid into FICA. Dude, David and I are with I you. I actually think, looking at the numbers, that if you got rid of Medicare that and they put a sunset age on Social Security and they just said, look, you're not getting it, but we will pay you back over time what we took from you, I actually believe that that's doable, Chris, in Colorado, and that's one of your clients. So, Chris, I think that that's actually, and uh, BK in Michigan, I think that that's actually doable because 75% of it is Medicare. And I just want to, uh, I'm a bit of a historian here, and I have this curse that I remember things uh uh, insignificant crap. I remember in 1967 when the United States Congress was debating the Medicare Act and Lyndon Baines Johnson was screaming and hollering for it because the Masons got to him, uh, that it was said that Medicare, if as this bill is being offered here today, in 10 years, Medicare will be broke and will be $10 billion in the hole. They said in 10 years. They said it wouldn't take 10 years for this thing to go kaput. And yet there was the Democrats running the House, the Democrats running the Senate, the Democrats running the presidency, and the Freemasons running the whole shebang, and they passed it, and the people that uh, that were, were saying this were all proven correct. Remember that yeah. Ronald Reagan burst on the political scene with an album? Remember it was called A Time for Choosing or something? And he made a recording. Of, I think he made it actually for the Goldwater campaign. He made a recording, and it was all about Social Security. And I can still remember. Maggie can probably find it on the on Yubu. Uh, and he was saying that I, I still remember stupid things. Robert Byers, who was the head of the actuarial fund for the Social Security Administration, said that if we don't end this program in 10 years, the trust fund will be empty. Mm. That was in 1961. <laughs> 1961. All this stuff was said. Now, and then, and then one final point, and then I'll let you give a, a, a comment, and, we'll, and, and then one more thing, and we'll wrap up. Um all of this was 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 foretold. All of the, the they they all knew. People went into Congress and they testified and they said this that all of this was going to happen. But I want listeners and viewers to remember. This is I think this is the most important thing. We don't say or do any of this stuff because we despise America. We hate our country. That's just not true. I love Louisiana. This is my country. I love little Christendom here when I go out in my backyard and look at my cabbages this morning. That's my country, and I'm willing to defend it, and I'm willing to, to, to die for it. By extension, David's Christendom, uh, or Christland, is uh, we're because we're in the new Christendom. I'll defend his country, too. He'll do it. He'll do a pretty good job of it, too. He wouldn't, doesn't need me. You have to let you understand that when you talk to people about this, David is right. Tell them to look at what they have. What you know, as Brother Francis taught us in cosmology, the potency of matter. <laughs> this is why everyone needs to take the course, David. Let us yeah. talk about the potency of matter. There is a finite amount of matter in the universe. 
It can change form and substance, but it never goes away. It, you could take it, you'll burn it, and it's still there in the ash. We have the potency of matter. We have the potency of faith, hope, and charity as Christians. And we have the potency of a magnificent resource block, stretch of land that God has blessed us with. There is nothing in there. There's nothing that we can't. This is doable. All of this is doable. Just remembering those couple of things there. Um, and then do a, yeah. and then do Padre Pio, St. Padre Pio. Pray, hope, don't worry. Yeah. No, it's, um, and of course, I think, and we always say this, I think a lot of these things are going on by uh, default. You know, the homestead movement's growing, homeschooling's growing, um, good radio is coming back. Right. <laughs> it's oh boy. A little slogan. Yeah, I think that slogan from Crane Radio, the guys who sells those short ways about gardening and radio, how they're both necessary for civilization. <laughs> and that's the coolest little expression, right? Um, but so we, so we have more wholesome things. Notice, by the way, I said you know they made us look inside instead of outside. Radio is a listening device. Now, could it be used for evil? Of course, and it has been. But I remember Brother Andre. I was like, faith comes through hearing. Yes. Right? We we learn we learn through speaking people speaking through conversation. We're trying to convert one another. You're you're converting people through words because words when they go into your ears don't have the same effect as images going through your eyes. Words going through your ears get into your brain and your and your active thought process starts and you either accept it or you reject it because you're making the argument within your head. But when visual images come in, they just are imprinted. And there's a lot less thought going on. There's actually some scientific studies about how you go into like a B wave a mind pattern versus an A wave, and essentially you can propagandize people a lot easier with images than you can with words. Anyway, so radio is a good thing to have because information can still be spread, but without having the destructive or not quite the destructive impact that visual images have. But all that is to say, yes, I think there's ways we could actually, as a society, nationally, I mean, turn it around. But I just believe in my heart of hearts that even if we did, the end of that of that trip is vibrant local communities again, not some nation state. I just don't think that we have the proper orientation if we keep thinking U.S. of A. I think we've got to think about the little small Mayberries and Christlands uh, that instead of instead of this conglomerate, because a conglomerate, that large size thing, you talk about it all the time. Scale. Scale. Giants. Giants are ugly. Giants are always enemies <laughs> and always beef. We, we, don't, we don't want a giant, right? We want we want a small little uh, baby we can handle in love, and that's the better way to view it, I think. And then uh, finally, here, this all comes to um, it can all come to life. And if you miss the first two years of our uh, our congresses, you know we saw it. The first one we saw uh, that seed was planted last year. Uh, to use the the term from Chris Ferrara, the acorn became a a, a baby oak. <laughs> um, we saw human flourishing, and we saw some evil, but we all combated the evil together. You know, you know that there was no dissension among. Okay, that's bad. We don't want that, and let's pray for that evil to go away mm-hmm. and to be cured. Mm-hmm. Um, and we did that collectively, and I don't mean collectively in the communist sense of the word. word although, if that's what if someone says, it was well, communist. Okay, well then, call it what you want. Uh, <laughs> but there was flourishing that 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 happened. You know, on Sunday, there was no caterer, and it was the best food of the whole weekend. <laughs> because Mitter Monday and Mitter Coke and Joe Beeman and all of them, God bless them, just got together, everyone pitched in, and it was just like one big, giant community. Um, uh, and there was a, and I saw all those kids out there in that playground. I was going to say 8,000 kids running around. 8,000 kids, <laughs> the future running around, and going like, that's human flourishing. That's Christendom. It's right here. There's a little plot of land in Arnoville, Louisiana. Um, any thoughts, uh, uh, concluding thoughts, because people are asking me questions now. When's the Congress going to be? When, blah, blah. Any concluding thoughts on what we might uh, try, try and aim for this year, and then I'll let you go. At the Congress? Yeah. Um, you know, if it, truly, if it was just an expansion a little bit on last year, meaning uh, principally kind of leaving maybe political discourse and, you know, resolutions and the like, and start talking truly about innovative ways. I, I, I had a guy email me just the other day, and I'm going to look into it. I haven't finished looking at everything you sent me, but um, how can we 
leverage, I guess, technology, because there's not all evil. Technology in itself is not evil, to create maybe communities that aren't proximate to one another. Like, how can we stay close, even though we, we might live hundreds of miles away? Because that is our dilemma. We have good people out there, but they're few and far between, and we all live so far away. And, and you and I have been trying to rectify that by building regions and, you know, looking at areas that you might start making connections. But maybe we could still have the larger connection. The whole Congress could still, quote-unquote, live together without living next to each other. Um, because I know we all long for it. I, I just know for a fact, well, I get calls from people still. Man, our kids were playing with your girls. Your girls are so sweet, and I wish they could be their babysitters all the time, you know? And I'm like, <laughs> well, my kids would love to be their babysitters all the time. You know, I, I doubt you can babysit over some technology, technological process, but, but maybe there are other things we could solve that still keep us close, with, even though we're so far from one another, until we start having more and more people in our communities and, and we build the bridges between all the communities. But, so maybe that'd be the focus, I think, is, is there a way to keep us close when we're not physically close? And I, and I think that'd be a great solve if we could do it. Close, but not physically close. Close, but lots of cigars. <laughs> yeah, yeah. All right, David, thank you for uh, filling in for Brother Andre Maury here on a Wisdom Wednesday. A lot was covered here, um, uh, uh, and we're going to cover a lot more here on in 2023, God willing, here on the uh, Crusade Channel. By the way, I was on terrestrial radio for the first time in 18 years yesterday. I was, yeah, yeah, I was on, uh, it's called Archangel Radio out of Mobile, Alabama, 94.7. On the FM dial, and our very own KV Turley hosts a daily show there. Oh, wow. Very, I was on KV show. Very, yeah, yeah. True story. Uh, yeah. <laughs> there we go. We're going. <clears throat> yeah, so we're, so we're going back to terrestrial, <laughs> which I'm fine with. You, know, you and I talked about this. If we could do it, buying small AM stations in certain markets and, and areas around the uh, the central Southern and Midwestern United States, and broadcasting a Crusade channel on them, um, yeah. uh, and, and then adding that local comp uh, component. You know, have somebody come in and do the farming show for, for where you live. Uh, all pipe dreams, my brother. All pipe dreams, Preston. <laughs> well, I'm praying for you, man, and I ask you to do the same for me. And uh, you got uh, it. All the other, all the other intentions we constantly have to fight against. Pray for all those things. And um, if anybody needs to shoot me an email about if I. If I put them off or set them off with my rant and race, email me. I'll be glad to do my mea culpas. Well, <laughs> he is David at TFFCO.com. All right, Brista, get back. Hey, go, go make me some money, usury. Go make me. <laughs> I'll, I'll try. I'll try. All right, Thanks David. God bless you. Bye.